Hello, I'm Scott Millis, senior pastor here at Living Word Family Church, and I'd like to welcome you to our podcast. We want to thank you for joining us today, and we hope that today's message encourages you and equips you in your walk with Christ. Here's today's message. Let's look at our first scripture for today. We're talking about freedom from the fear of death. And our first scripture is from 1 Timothy 4.8. Now, uh, Pastor Scott, I'm skipping part of the verse. Uh, The first part of the verse says, you know, exercise, bodily exercise is profitable. I don't even want to go there today, okay? Uh, So the, the rest of the verse says, but godliness, everybody say godliness. Godliness is profitable. How many of you like things that are profitable? Godliness is profitable for all things, having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. Godliness has benefits. There's a promise of blessing in godliness for the life that now is. How many of you know we're in the life that now is? But how many of you know this life that now is is not the end? This is not the omega, all right? Uh, this, this, we have a life now, and godliness has benefits for this life. But also, godliness has benefits, promise, for the life that is to come. You know, I just love the worship this morning, especially that last song. I just felt like this is Easter at Living Word Family Church. This is Easter. We're celebrating that life is greater than death. And, you know, while we're in this earth, we see the process. You know, there's one verse that, you know, it kind of, you know, seems like a downer where Paul said, the outward man perishes. How many of you don't get up every morning and claim that promise? <laughs> Lord, I'm just believing that, that my outward man will perish. We don't like that verse, do we? I don't like looking in the mirror and, you know, I'm not just exactly what I was at age 25. How many of you know the outward man perishes? But the inward man is renewed day by day. We don't care for that. I remember when my mom was getting older, she said, Tony, she said, growing old ain't for sissies. You know, and uh, we, we understand that. The outward man perishes, but the inward man is renewed day by day. I want to go to a quote by John Wesley. It's a profound statement that he made. Uh, he was, I believe, discussing how the early Methodist church, you know, back in the 1700s, had had such remarkable growth. And he, he simply said this, our people die well. Our people die well. What, what is it that makes a good death? You know, we, we understand. I, you know, we, if you've been around a long time, you know, my parents have both passed on. I've had a brother that has passed on in pastoral ministry. You know, I've been with many people as they, you know, were preparing to breathe their last or were breathing their last. And, and uh, we understand there's a physical component and things like that. But, but what I'm talking to you about today, I said today's message is going to be kind of one-dimensional. 
uh, I, I want to flip to the next slide because of something that John Wesley's brother said. A physician told Charles Wesley, he said, most people die for fear of dying, but I never met with such people as yours. None of them are afraid of death, but are calm and patient and resigned to the last. I think that's a pretty profound statement. Now, again, I know this was back in the 1700s, and I know it, it doesn't necessarily apply. I mean, you know, for example, my father was killed in a car accident, and it was just an instantaneous thing. Uh, you know, there was no, you know, everybody around the deathbed saying, you know, all these, you know, wonderful things, which I'm so thankful that you guys got to enjoy. There's, I understand there's all kinds of circumstances, and I don't want somebody feeling you know, bad if, if your situation was different. Uh, but this idea of John Wesley saying, our people die well. And the physician, the doctor who had been with many people when they died, he said, man, so many people are afraid and, and they even die of the fear of death. But he said, but your people, your people are afraid of death, or are not afraid of death, they're calm and patient and resign just a peaceful resignation of lord here i come so i want to talk about freedom from the fear of death and some basic things some of this may be kind of a reminder to you we can go to the next slide we need to understand that death is more of a transition than a termination from this earthly standpoint and see everything that i'm saying is contingent on being able to uh, see things with the eye of faith, not just the natural, physical perception. Because from the natural, physical perception, you know, the world looks at death and says, man, it's all over. But the believer looks at death and says, no, it is not over. It, and we're not in denial about the physical realities, but we just believe, what's that next point? that the Bible describes an inward man. Number three, man is a spiritual being, and yet man resides in a body. And number four, when the body stops functioning, how many of you know, should the Lord tarry His coming, that the earthly timetable of this physical body has an expiration date? Okay? You, you know what an expiration date is? The Bible says it is appointed unto man once to die. Everybody, should the Lord tarry his coming, everybody's going to go through this process where this body shuts down. But for the, when the body start, stops functioning, the spirit of man simply transitions. Everybody say transition. We need to understand death is more of a transition than it is a termination. From the natural standpoint, it looks like a termination, but from the spiritual standpoint, from the eternal perspective, death is more of a, a transition than a termination. And when the body stops functioning, the spirit of man, the real man on the inside, not simply the container, not simply the vessel, uh, not simply the outward tent, not simply the body, but the inward man, the spirit of man, transitions to a new location. 
for the believer, that place is called heaven. And I want you to know today that heaven is not simply, it's not a dream. I don't know what, what I don't want to be disrespectful, but when, when a certain, you know, uh, singer wrote, imagine there's no heaven. I'm not going to imagine there's no heaven because the Bible says there's a heaven. The Bible talks about vain imagination. I'm not going to imagine there's no heaven. The Bible says that heaven is a real place. Jesus did not say, our Father, which art in a figment of our imagination. Our Father, which art in a philosophical construct. Our Father, which art in a uh, theoretical or conceptual uh, place. He said, our Father, which art in heaven. Heaven is a real place. The Bible says, Hebrews 9.27, it is appointed unto man once to die, and after this the judgment. Death is inevitable, but we don't need to be afraid of death. Jesus and, and I, I loved how powerfully Scott, Pastor Scott closed the, the message the other day, emphasizing the reality of heaven and hell. And, and that, you know, when people die, their, their spiritual man is going to head to one of those two places. It is appointed unto man once to die, and after this the judgment. But the believer, the person who has put his or her faith in Jesus Christ does not need fear death. Through Jesus, we have forgiveness, we have acceptance, and we have the gift of eternal life. Let's look at the next scripture on the screen. This is from the Passion Translation. And it says, since all his children have flesh and blood, so Jesus became fully human. Do you know, every year people celebrate Christmas, the birth of Jesus, and I wonder, Pastor Scott, how many times they really understand what they're celebrating. That, that we're celebrating not just that a person was born or a boy, little boy was born, but we're celebrating the fact that God the Son became man. God became man in the flesh. And, and, and Pastor Scott shared the other day how that his dad was a good man, but, but we've all had that. The Bible says we've all sinned. We've all come short of the glory of God. None of us are going to heaven because of how good we've been. None of us are going to heaven because of how perfect or how religious we've been. Uh, if we could have earned our own salvation by trying and being good and being religious, Jesus would have never come. But Jesus came because somebody had to live a sinless life, and certainly none of us have, right? And uh, somebody had to live a sinless life, and somebody had to die on a cross, and he was the only one qualified because he was the sinless, spotless Son of God, and, and he took our sin upon himself on the cross. And the Bible says that Jesus became fully human, a human to fully identify with us. He did this so that he could experience death and annihilate. How many of you like that word, annihilate? And annihilate the effects of the intimidating accuser 
who holds against us the power of death. By embracing death, Jesus sets free those who live their entire lives in bondage to the tormenting fear of death. I wouldn't want to be on this earth and not know Jesus. You know, and to not even understand what Jesus did or why he did it or what it procures to our benefit, do you know how blessed we are to know what we know, to believe what we believe? It doesn't make us better than anyone. It makes us blessed. We are blessed to have been in a church that has taught us the Bible and, and how much God loves us, and because of God's love, he sent Jesus and, and the Bible says that Jesus came to destroy him that had the power of death and that we don't have to be in fear of death anymore. I love this little story about a, a boy and his father were driving down a country road on a beautiful spring afternoon when a bumblebee flew into the car window. The little boy was allergic to bee stings and he immediately was petrified. He began to freak out and scream and kick and, you know, that type of thing. And the father, quickly thinking, just reached out. How many, how many of you have ever done a dad save? You know, where you grab your kid right when they're falling off the swing set or teeter-totter or whatever. The dad did a dad save. He's driving. You know, he doesn't want to wreck the car, but he sees the bee, you know, kind of circling toward his son, and he reaches out and snatches the bee. Well, you know what happens. Mm, he took, takes the sting, and he does that, and the stinger remains in his hand, but the bee still, I think the bee eventually dies, but it, it flies around for a minute, and the little boy doesn't understand. The boy is still screaming and flailing his arms and kicking. He's still terrified, and, and the father reaches out and says, son, you don't have to be afraid anymore. And he shows the, the stinger to the little boy. The bee's still buzzing around a little bit, but, but its stinger is gone. That's what Jesus did for us. He took the sting of death. He took the threat of eternal separation from God. Jesus took that when he went on the cross died for our sins, shed his blood, said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus was experiencing alienation from God at that moment so that you and I never would. He was bearing the punishment and the penalty for our sin so that we could be liberated and free from it. Jesus took the sting of death. We said that, that godliness has promise, has benefits in this world and in the world to come. And so it is good that our faith not be simply one-dimensional. In other words, if all of your faith is simply, oh, Lord, I know it's going to be good when I get to heaven, that's not all that faith was meant to be. Godliness has benefits in this life. But if our faith is only in this life, oh God, I'm believing you for this amount of money, this kind of car, 
God, I want, I want to get new clothes. God, meet all my needs here. But you're not thinking anything about heaven, th then that's wrong too. Faith should be multidimensional. Let's look at the next slide. The next slide says that we are saved by faith. How many of you are glad we're saved by faith? That means we're saved by trusting in what Jesus Christ did for us. We're not saved by our works. We're not, that doesn't mean works aren't important. Martin Luther said, God doesn't need your good works, but your neighbor does. We're saved by, by faith. We demonstrate our faith by good works, but we're saved by faith. And then 2 Corinthians 5 says we, we walk by faith. And Romans 1.17 says that we live by faith. But a lot of people never pay attention to Hebrews 11.13 where it talks about people who died by faith. Godliness is profitable for this life and the life to come. If your only perception of faith is so that you'll have more comfortable life here, you're missing out on a lot. If your faith is only that you get to go to heaven when you die, then you're missing out on a lot. Miss Lynette's father, Brother Tipton, told me uh, he was in his 90s uh, when I had the, maybe he was in his late 80s, when I had the privilege of working with him. He had pastored his last church for 42 years. And he had pastored for years before that in different settings. And he told me, because he, he, I think he was pastoring during the Great Depression, if I'm not mistaken, he said, Tony, he said, there was a time when all we preachers, nobody had anything, everybody was just dirt poor. And he said, we just didn't really have any other than just barely making it. He said, so what we preachers did was, there was really nothing to focus on here because everybody had just kind of a, you know, day-to-day -day existence. So we would preach on heaven a lot. And he said, some of us, that's all we ever preached on because nobody seemed to, and, and he said, finally, we preachers got together and said, you know what, we're, we're just doing nothing but preaching about heaven. That's good, we need to do that. But one of them said, I'd kind of like a little bit of heaven to go to heaven in. And so they said, maybe we need to start teaching about, you know, how God wants to bless us here and now. But if we're not careful, if we're in an affluent time, it's all about what I can get right now. So here's what's important. We are saved by faith. We walk by faith. We live by faith. But you know what? When the time comes, we want to die in faith. We want to die trusting God and, and, a, and a heart full of trust and expectation and really joyous anticipation. I stood beside Brother Hagen at the funeral, Kenneth Hagen Sr. at the funeral of a young man who had died. He's a young evangelist, died way too young. And I said, Brother Hagen, what do you think? And Brother Hagen just said to me, he quoted Paul. He said, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we're of all men most miserable. What I'm saying is, what Brother Hagen was saying, what Paul was saying is that this life, we can know the blessings of God, but boy, there's so much more beyond. And we can be free from the power of death, the fear of death, the torment of death. Uh, 
one of the early church fathers at the, it was in the early 5th century. His name was John Chrysostom. He was based in what today is Istanbul, Turkey, then was Constantinople. He got crossways with the empress. Um, it's a long story. It's kind of, I'll tell you at lunch, uh, but it's kind of a fascinating story. But, but she started threatening him, and she said, I will banish you. And he said, you cannot banish me, for this world is my father's house. She says, then I will kill you. She said, and he said, no, you cannot, because my life is hid with Christ in God. And then she said, then I will take away all of your treasures. He said, no, you cannot, for my treasure is in heaven and my heart is there. And then she said, then I will drive you away from your friends and you will have no one left. And he said, no, you cannot. For I have a friend in heaven from whom you cannot separate me. I defy you for there is nothing you can do to harm me. Isn't that an amazing level of courage? What would our lives be? Now, now please, you may be thinking, man, I, I don't have that kind of faith. Well, I'm not sure I do either. But I'll tell you what, I look at that and I think, boy, I want to grow to that. I want to aspire to that. Um, there's no condemnation here for anybody that's struggling in any aspect of your faith. How many of you know God doesn't love you based on the perfection of your faith? So I want to I do this real quick. Um, I, I want to look at some, some statements that have been made by some outstanding Christians, some people who were mature in their faith, because I understand that when somebody is immature or young in their faith, some of these things may be kind of hard to get a hold of, um, you know, especially if you're just beginning to renew your mind to the things of God. But here's what, let's go to the first slide. These are famous last words. If they weren't said right when they were dying, they were said as they were approaching death, Martin Luther said, Our God is the God from whom cometh salvation. God is the Lord by whom we escape death. John Knox from Scotland said, Live in Christ, live in Christ, and the flesh need not fear death. John Wesley that we talked about earlier from London said, The best of all, he said this on his deathbed, he said, The best of all, God is with us. Farewell, farewell. Next slide. His brother Charles, that we also talked about earlier, said, I shall be satisfied with thy likeness. Satisfied, satisfied. Oh, my dear Jesus, I come. D.L. Moody, the great evangelist that was based up in Chicago, uh, died in the late 1890s, said, Earth recedes. Heaven opens before me. If this is death, it is sweet. There is no valley here. God is calling me, and I must go. This is my coronation day. It is glorious. Isaac Watts, the great hymn writer, said on his deathbed, he said, it is a great mercy to me that I have no manner or fear or dread of death. And John Pawson said, I know I am dying, but my deathbed is a bed of roses. I have no thorns planted 
upon my dying pillow, heaven is already begun. Evangeline Booth, her, I think it was her parents or grandparents founded the Salvation Army. Uh, she, as she was dying, she said, the waters are rising, and so am I. I can't go under for going over. John Kershaw said, far from a world of grief and sin, with God eternally shut in, God is faithful, God is faithful. And William Gadsby said, I shall soon be with Him, victory, victory, victory forever. Aren't those powerful statements? Now just, just a quick personal note, my mom uh, was raised Methodist. My mom passed away 2011. She was around 86, I think, when she passed away. When her grandmother died, her grandmother was a really godly Methodist that used to gather all the children around, both her grandchildren and some neighbors, and she'd tell them Bible stories. And uh, my mom was there. You remember there was a day when people didn't die in hospitals. People died at home. And um, she was on her deathbed, and family was in talking to her, and um, she, uh, she would talk to the people in the room. You know, she knew them, recognized them, talked to them. And then she'd kind of, I don't know, somehow she shifted gears and she'd start talking to people that were not in the room. She'd start talking to her relatives who had already passed on and gone to heaven. And what she was doing was she was seeing both realms. And, and she'd kind of go in and out. How many of you know there, there can be, not always, but there can be a time where people have one foot in this world and one foot in the next. And their, their spirit's just kind of getting ready to cut loose and, uh, and that type of thing. But scriptures, we want to we give you these three scriptures here before we go. Paul said, to live is Christ and to die is gain. My wife read somebody who said, to live is Christ and to die is more Christ. Isn't that awesome? Paul said, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So we use this term, you know, like for example, Pastor Larry has died. Well, yeah, from the natural standpoint, that's how we perceive it naturally. But from the real standpoint, the eternal standpoint, uh, Larry's more alive than any of us are right now. He's absent from the body, but he is present with the Lord. And then Paul said this, and to me this last one is very important because some people see that they think, well, if you get healed, that's victory. But if you die, that's a defeat. Living is victory, death is defeat. But Paul said, if we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. I love that. Another verse, next slide. Psalms 116 verse 15 says, Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. And Brother Hagin always used to say this, God never sees his children die. He simply sees them coming home. Boy, if we could know the difference between how we see it and how heaven sees it, it's amazing. Now, this, this next one might be hard. You might think, well, man, this guy's being irreverent and, and he's not being sensitive to the emotional things that people go through. We are, we are sensitive to the fact that we go through missing that person you know, there, there are all kinds of, we cover that in our book, all different kinds of emotional things. 
when that person's been a part of our life here physically and now they're not. That's the other side of this, okay? Let's look at this next slide. A guy named George McDonald, Scottish, said, if we knew as much about heaven as God does, we would clap our hands every time a Christian dies. If we knew as much about heaven as God does, we would clap our hands every time a Christian dies. I want to close with two simple scriptures, Psalm 56. David, and the reason I want to close this is because I know that we're all in different stages of growth. Somebody could hear this, Pastor Scott, and think, well, this is some high, I could never get up to that level of faith, and I still have some, I still have some, you know, worry or whatever about death and things. And uh, I, I just want you to know what David said. He said, whenever I am afraid, I will trust in you. If you're afraid, run to God. Don't run from him. Some people think that, boy, unless my faith is perfect, God won't have anything to do with me. God won't have anything to do with people when they're weak. Do you know if God didn't have anything to do with people when they're weak, he would have never had anything to do with any of us? He he wants to help us tap into his grace so we can grow in grace and strength and so that our faith can increase. But don't ever think that you have to have absolutely flawless, perfect faith before you can receive anything from God. David said, when I am afraid, I will trust in you. And then he said, in God, I will praise his word. In God, I have put my trust. I will not fear. Well, how many of you know that's kind of a different phase there? On on one hand, David says, when I'm afraid, I will trust in you. And then maybe you grow spiritually, and then you can get to the point and say, in God, I have put my trust. I will not fear. How many of you know that sounds bolder and stronger? We can grow. And then in verse 10, it says, in God, I will praise his word. In the Lord, I will praise his word. In God, I have put my trust. I will not be afraid. So there's probably Christians at all levels of growth, and some people are saying, well, when I'm afraid, then I'm going to run to God. God's going to help you. Run to him when you're afraid. But then you'll be able to say, okay, I've run to God, and he's helped me, and now I can say, uh, I have put my trust in God. I will not fear. It's, It's okay to grow in your faith. And finally, this last verse, Mark 9, 24, This is something that a man said to Jesus, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. So we need to understand, there are people, it's great, it's fun to preach a sermon at this high, ultimate level of faith, but, but it's also important to understand that sometimes we have to grow to get, move that direction. And there was a man that needed a miracle from Jesus, and, and Jesus told him, all things were possible if you believe, and Jesus, uh, the man said, Lord, well, I believe, but help my unbelief. You know what I'm so glad Jesus didn't say to him? I'm so glad Jesus didn't say to him, well, here's my 10 points on toward victorious faith. Go home and read this, or, you know, I don't think they had cassette tapes back then. It's probably reel to reel in Jesus' day. 
Jesus didn't say, go listen to this thing and come back and see me when your faith is perfect. Do you know what Jesus said? He said, if you just have faith as a grain of mustard seed, I don't want you to stay with small faith. Uh, I want you to grow in your faith, but I want you to know that, that God loves people who struggle. God loves people who are wrestling with the, with the challenges of life and, uh, and that type of thing. And so if, if you're here today and you say, Brother Cook, I relate to everything you say. Man, I'm, I'm right up there. You know, I've already got the things written out that I'm going to say right before I die so that, you know, you can quote me in your sermon, you know. Uh, I've got a humdinger for my final words on earth. If you're at that point, great. But if you're, if you're moving that direction, that's great too. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. There may be people here today. I don't know, Pastor Scott said that everybody that was here, no first-time visitors, so uh, there may not be anybody here that, that has never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Uh, but boy, that's the number one key right there. Because the Bible says, he that has the Son has life. See, I'm not going to heaven based on any merit of my own. I'm not going to heaven based on how good I've been. I'm not going to heaven because I've been a preacher, because I've written books, none of that. The, do you know what the Bible says about our righteousness? The Bible says all of our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. I'm not going to heaven because of anything I've done. I'm going to heaven, and I know I'm going to heaven because my faith is in what he has done. My faith is in him, trusting in him. And, and he enables me to do that by his grace. So let's go ahead and pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I want to thank you for every person here. Lord, we're so thankful for the journey that's happened here over decades with Pastor Larry and Pam and, and Lord, all the good things you've done. But Lord, Larry's not in heaven today because he was a good preacher, a good pastor. He's in heaven today because he trusted Jesus Christ as his Lord and his Savior. So thankful that we can celebrate his life. We may feel some things. We may feel some sorrow. We may feel, you know, gosh, he was such an important part of our, our lives. We're going to miss him. Sure, we're going to miss him. You know, we're not just 100% spiritual beings. We have emotions. You know, there's an earthly realm to this as well. But Lord, today we're really zeroing in on the fact that to depart and be with Christ is far better that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Whether we live, we live unto the Lord. Whether we die, we die unto the Lord. Whether we live therefore or die, we are the Lord's. And Lord, we believe what your Bible says. We believe there is a heaven. We believe there's a heaven that is available to us. You're not trying to keep us out. You're trying to get us in. And if there's anybody here that has never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, and I want to speak also to people that might be watching online, um, you may be thinking, I, I've never accepted Jesus Christ before. I, I want to. I want to know. I want to have this assurance of knowing that heaven is my home and that when, I, my, body, when my body shuts down and when I transition out of here, I want to know that I'm going to heaven. So I just wonder how many people here would say with uplifted hand, 
And, and if you're watching online, I want this to be true for you today. You can lift up your hand right where you are, sitting at your computer at your home. Is there anybody here today that would say with uplifted hand, Tony, I need to make sure, I need to make absolute certain. I've, I've, maybe you've been religious, maybe you've been a church member, but in your heart of hearts, you've been hoping that you'll get to heaven because you're good enough. Listen, I just love you enough to tell you, you're not going to get to heaven because you've tried. You're not going to get to heaven because you've been a good person or a perfect person or religious person. You're going to get to heaven because in your heart, you know that you need Jesus to be your Savior, the one that cleanses you, the one that causes you to have forgiveness and eternal life. Let me see your hand if that's you all over this place. You'd say, Tony, I need to squarely, fully put my faith in Jesus today. Or you would say with uplifted hand, you'd say, Tony, I need to rededicate my life today. I've been running away from God instead of running to God. I'm looking all over this place. Well, I don't see any hands in here, but I can't see who's out there. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray a prayer. There may be people watching right now that are saying, Man, would you, would you pray so I can accept Jesus as my Savior? Would you lead me in leading them in a prayer? Right where you're watching, lift up one hand to heaven and say, Dear God. Say it here with me in this auditorium. Say, Dear God, thank you for Jesus. Thank you that he died for my sin. That he shed his blood for my forgiveness. I believe that Jesus not only died for my sin, but that he rose from the dead. And he's alive. And he's offering me the gift of forgiveness and the gift of eternal life. Jesus, I receive you as my Savior. I receive you as my Lord. I receive every gift you're giving me. And I turn my life towards you. That means I'm turning away from living for myself. Thank you for helping me live for you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name. If you're watching online and you prayed that for the very first time, I want you to contact this church because they want to communicate with you. They probably have some materials they want to share with you and they want to know uh, that, that you are cared for and followed up on how many of you are thankful for jesus today thankful for the word of god let's lift our hands one more time and just say thank you lord we thank you for your goodness and your mercy we thank you for the comfort of the holy spirit we thank you for the peace of god for the grace of god and and lord we just thank you for the good things of this life lord there's challenges in this life we live in a fallen world but Lord, godliness has benefits for this life. And we thank you for the good things of life. We thank you that we can enjoy friendship. We can enjoy fellowship. We can enjoy remembering the good times. And Lord, we also thank you that we can look forward to better days ahead. Thank you that there is a heaven, that it's real. And God, that you're real. And that we don't have to live our life in fear of death that we can live our life just full of hope for all that's ahead in jesus name amen 
Well, let me mention one thing. Out at the book table, we have that book called Life After Death, but we have a little book. It's one of the small books I wrote last year. It's called Because the Lord is My Shepherd, and it's 12 Blessings of an Empowered Life. And I just took the 23rd Psalm. There's 12 verses and found, uh, six verses and found 12 principles of what's activated on the inside of us when the Lord is really our shepherd. How many of you, it's one thing to quote the 23rd Psalm. It's another thing to say, Lord, you really are my shepherd. I'm not just quoting a piece of poetry. When the Lord is our shepherd, it makes all the difference in the world. Well, Miss Pam, love you so much. I told you Lisa said hello. And uh, I just thank you for everything you've done over the years and, and, and for your wonderful family. And I'm so glad that this guy right here is... Uh, called by God, called by God to, to lead and to feed. And, and I appreciate uh, Pastor Scott, is, he's, he's sharper than many, many ministers I know. He's a sharp guy. And I say that sharp in the wisdom of God and the knowledge of God's word. And I want you to give your pastor a hand of greeting as he comes. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. And if you enjoyed today's message, consider sharing it with a friend. For more content and information about Living Word, check out our website at livingwordfamily.org. And remember to live the gospel and preach the gospel.